inside the mic. Hey! Yo! Outsiders! This is the first ever Outside the Mic mini-episode. Wow. I'm Martin Meyer. I'm Jarrett Weimer. And I got a question for you, Jarrett Weimer. Hit me. What happened? That was... Well, that was kind of really short. It just like cut, boom. It's like, outside the mic. The theme song? Yeah. Well, uh, being that that is the theme song for the actual show, I yes. figured we would make a mini version of it for the mini episode. <gasps> okay. I should have figured that one out. Let me finish my coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> No, Anyways, so this is going to be a time for us to either elaborate more on uh, a topic that we might have talked about, uh, bring some more information for you, just more content for you. But the most important thing is we will be doing some live performances for you on our mini episodes. Yes, indeed. Uh, going all the way back to season one when the whole plot was schemed about doing this. We talked about doing some music, and we had friends who said, where is the live music? And folks, it's going to be here, finally, the live music on outside. The and we would always bring the question of, what kind of musicians are we if we're doing a music podcast, yeah. but we never actually play any music? People will never take our credibility, because they've never heard us. They won't take us seriously. They so won't. So now you can judge us for our, yeah. our music, musicianship. Boy, I don't know if you should have put that on Oof. there. You can judge us. <laughs> judge you can us. judge us. <laughs> judge us. You can judge us, Sean Connery. You can judge us for our musicianship, <laughs> ladies and no. gentlemen. <laughs> actually, the, the other good thing about doing a mini episode is we're going to challenge ourselves to actually finish something in less than 30 minutes. So here we go. And that will be a challenge. We're so. going to dive into kind of the first thing we want to talk about. And I thought it would be cool to look at today... What happened today in music history? Ooh, yeah, so, I like that, Jared. So, today we are recording July 7th, and that would mean in 1957, Ooh. good old Elvis Presley scored his first UK number one with All Shook Up. Wow, 1957. Yep, it stayed at number one for seven weeks. 63 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 63 years ago. 63 years ago. Good Lord. That's even before I was born. That was before I was born. Yeah. Now yeah. that. 1980, Led Zeppelin played their last ever concert with drummer John Bonham when they Whoa. appeared at Esportale, West Berlin, at the end of a European tour. You think you need to move your popper stopper back a little bit? That P was pretty poppy. I'm a, I'm a plosive kind of man. You are a plosive. <laughs> Go ahead. <clears throat> Excuse That's me. cool with John Bonham. And then he, how did he die? Here I am again, Mr. Morbid. I have no idea. But they finished the show with a 17-minute version of Whole Lot of Love. My whole lot of love. Got a whole lot of love. 1984, Bruce Springsteen went to number one on the U.S. album chart with Bone in the USA. The album went on to spend a total of 139 weeks on the U.S. charts. Right on. Right on. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. (laughs) I'm sorry. I I apologize for laughing. I'm going to find my space now. You got to own it out. But if you heard our last episode, we did talk about bringing into outside the mic the stories of how some artists have died and how it was pretty common to hear about artists dying from drug overdose or something else. So I just looked at John Bonham and its cause of death was aspiration of vomit. Due to drinking too much? Well, I think he and also um, 
there was the singer, Bon Scott, from I was, ACDC. I was just about to mention Bon Scott. Yeah, I think they were passed out. And what happens, and I've heard of this mm. in the industry, outside of the industry too, obviously, people drink too much. Just but, normal general alcoholics. Yeah, yeah, but if you throw up and you're kind of passed out, you basically suffocate from your own vomit. I'm sorry. Thank you for bringing that up today yeah, here, Marty. I'm sorry. Go, <laughs> go ahead, Jared. You're going to love... It's fascinating. You're going to love this next one. 1989, today in 1989, CD and vinyl. Yeah. I don't know. I just mini stroke right there yeah uh 1989 cd and vinyl it was announced that for the first time compact discs were out selling vinyl albums today in 1989 wow you know when did cds cds came out in like 82 or something like that or 80 yeah i think 82 83 it took a while yeah actually about 10 years eight years five years 1999 oasis it was reported that to attract young people to their mobile vans UK ice cream sellers would start to play pop hits as music instead of the traditional chimes. Spice Girls and Oasis hits would be the first to be played. Well, that was a good idea because there's still one, I think, in our town, and it actually sounds a little creepy, this little bell-like music. And I don't know if it's because I equate it with uh, a movie, maybe, where there was an evil candy guy. Mm, sure. And, and you get this sort of sinister little chimey thing and it's yeah. like oh you don't trust those kind of chimes no, anymore no. if you hear that you know to run yeah so that I'd, makes sense i'd rather hear some music let's see uh in 2010 paul mccartney joined ringo star on stage at a concert at new york's radio city music hall to help celebrate the former beatle drummer's 70th birthday and did you know he just turned 80 mr paul mccartney well, wait, that makes sense. That was in music today. So he, no, Ringo turned 80 today. Today. Yeah. So this was 10 years ago on his 70th birthday, Paul McCartney joined him in New York. Cool. Wow, there you go. It was either today or yesterday. I'm, I'm, I'm almost thinking I saw a post yesterday wishing Ringo happy birthday. He looks really good for 80. Does he? Yeah. Well, yeah, most I mean, drummers do because, I mean, heck, they work out most of their life. They got go. big old forearms. Yeah, and you don't, you don't hear them aspirating on their vomit that's right maybe, maybe <laughs> i guess not right. no john bonham was a drummer sorry my bad go ahead <laughs> oh geez sorry. we're not here to tell you the facts folks yep in 2015 this is the last one in 2015 bob dylan climate scientists from five leaning universities found that 163 of bob dylan's 542 song references or songs reference the climate Almost a third, making him the musician most likely to mention the weather in his lyrics. Bob Dylan? Bob Dylan. And they said 542 songs. Right. The Beatles came in at number two, mentioning the weather in 48 of their 308 songs they wrote. Part of that probably just has to do with the fact that they have the largest volume of songs. Oh, yeah, as that's well. a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. You think, I mean, how many people. I can't. Well, I'm sure there are, and maybe not even people that are, you know, famous necessarily, mm -hmm. but who have written over 500 songs. Right. I know I haven't. I have definitely not. I've written over five. I've got maybe five. <laughs> I've written over ten. Ooh. I'm pretty sure I've written over ten. I might have written over twenty, but I have not. I bet you have. Yeah. I bet if you really sat down at the keys and figured out just what you've written over time, even the ones that you're like, I'm never playing this in front of anybody ever again. Well, if you count the ones I haven't finished, then, then there's... <laughs> Those are considered a 0.5. Yeah, if, uh, we, if we do that, that, yeah. that takes the number, ticks that number up a little bit anyway. So thank you, Jared. That, yeah. was, that was really cool. We might have to start... Well, that should definitely be part of the mini episode at that least. That is. Yeah, I figured that would be good. Yeah. Just a fun tidbit, fun little, little thing. 
Tidbits. tidbits. I like tidbits. They're like tater tots. Tater tots. Tater tot tidbits. Well, tater tot tidbit. So we did want to talk about uh, on our show today, since we did decide to, it's not an original song, but coming up here shortly, we're going to play a song that is related to... Ooh, I better tune. Uh, oh, you might have to tune, actually, okay. too. You keep going, and I'll, I'll get this figured out. I will. Out and part of this is that I think we were taking up... We had a lot of fun last season doing fact-checking, and it did end up actually lead... <laughs> Excuse me, Marty. Hold on. Leading okay. to, to... Are you done, Jer? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> it did end up leading to other stories when we would fact-check stuff. So we don't want to lose that aspect of the fact-checking, but we don't want to take up a ton of time on our episode doing a bunch of fact-checking. So, right, right. Um, I do want to do a really quick shout-out, Outsider Jeff, because he has been listening to every episode, and he gives me some really good feedback, and I just appreciate that. So thank you, Outsider Jeff. Heck yeah. He's been, he's been going strong since day one. Giving us off some feedback and, and just listening to it and staying consistent. We appreciate that, Jeff. Yeah, and I, and he works um, on the railroad, which is a great place for people to listen to podcasts. Not while they're running the train, of course, but I know if you do have it downloaded or you have service. I used to love reading books out there. You'd get stopped oh, yeah. sometimes, and you'd just sure. have a while to chill out. Just kind yeah. of do you your did, thing. You were a conductor on the railroad, weren't you? I was, as well as a conductor of orchestras. Mm, not. I'm gonna have to look that one up. <laughs> Wasn't I did actually in music school we did have a class on directing, so I did learn some of the basic techniques of directing a band. You learned how to wave your hand in motions yeah. and made it look like, like you little, knew what was going on. Little triangly thing. So I like to think that when I was a conductor on the railroad, I was like, well, the term conductor is kind of music related. So so you're good. Yeah, you got a job in the music industry. I did. Yeah. Well, actually, well, yeah. I did have a job in the music industry, and then I was working for the railroad for for ten years. But uh, it's hard. It's you've a done hard some really cool things in your life. I don't mean to get off, but you back in the California days, you had some really cool prospects going on. Thank you, Jared. You're welcome. I appreciate. I'm your biggest that. fan. Oh God. Sorry. I was even complimenting you, and you buzzed me. Never again. I'm just nothing but disses from here on out. Don't go there that time. Uh, So (laughs) thank you. I do appreciate that. This isn't about me. This is about outsiders and music, ladies and gentlemen. So yes, we're not going to do a bunch of fact checking. But in the light of fact checking the episode about Green Day, which I already admitted in the last episode, I was really I was doing a lot of learning there myself because I didn't know that much about Green Day. So I actually started looking at Green Day and I found out they were on my list of the misunderstood lyrics, oh. which it's interesting because I sort of had this, I was a kind of um, inclined to think that, I don't know if that's the correct word, but who cares, we'll check it later. <laughs> I, I was sort of wanting to think that, you know what, it should be up to people to interpret those lyrics, and largely mm-hmm. I think we did sort of touch on that, but Green Day it was listed because the song Good Riddance uh, which is a really cool song. Yeah. It was one of the only kind of ballady, kind of slow songs that I found that Green Day had done. But that was also on my list of misunderstood lyrics because a lot of people have used that song at weddings when indeed the song was written about a girlfriend that was leaving him and he was kind of bitter about it. Really? So, yeah. I'm going to play you a little clip here. He was on the Howard Stern show, and this will give you... Uh, this will give you a little bit of a uh, interpretation of what that song meaning was supposed to be. Some insight. Very cool. 
I love this uh, song, Good Riddance, Time of Your Life. You know, I, I, I'm bad at listening to lyrics. Mm -hmm. The song just kind of sweeps over me. This is really about telling some girl to F you, right? Um, in the, the most level-headed possible way of doing it, but um, it's pretty bitter. <laughs> so. It is bitter, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I like about your music. Where does this come from? <laughs> it's quick and it's angry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like that. I admire that. Oh, thanks. Who is this written to? Oh, a girl that moved away to Ecuador. I like that you can get your anger out through music. Yeah. Before you were famous, you got rejected a lot. So, interesting. Isn't <laughs> what it? a question. Yeah, isn't that? Yeah, well, we'll cut it off right there. Yeah. But what was your, if you had never heard anything, <clears throat> you knew the song. You were oh, familiar yeah. with the song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was your interpretation of the song, Good Riddance? Um, well, I think my, as a young, as a young kid... I think my first experience with the song was at a funeral. So I think after that, I always referred it to as like saying goodbye. Someone passed away. Wow. So it was used at a funeral. It was, yeah. Weddings and funerals. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. But that, it, that... It could have been that person's favorite song or favorite band or something. That might have been why they played it. But I, that's what I remember. And I remember just being so soaked up. In that song, I thought it was just amazing. Well, and I think it's a it's it's not a super complex lyric, but like he said, in the most level-headed way, which makes more sense to me because it doesn't sound angry. It doesn't sound no. like he's. It actually has some fairly thoughtful. And when you think of the main line, it's something unpredictable, but in the end, it's right. I hope you had the time of your life. I mean, that doesn't sound bitter. And it, yeah, and it definitely sounds like a positive send-off. Yeah, I hope you had the time of your life. Good riddance. Take care. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So along that line of thought, which obviously that happens, any lyric can be interpreted. That's the beauty of song. So along those lines, I actually saw Sting in an interview, interview with Elvis Costello. This was back in 2007 after the police had finished their reunion tour. Oh. Uh, this I was so I'm I'm a huge police fan, and I just watched a documentary called. Uh, can't Stand Losing, I think was the name hmm. of it, which is the name of one of their songs. And it was based on Andy Summers' memoirs. You got to check it out. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I enjoyed it, but it got me on my uh, police binge again. And so I was searching for police stuff, and I found this interview. And I think this is really a fascinating insight into what we're talking about. So I'm just going to play a clip from that. Here we go. I like that idea. Is that was everything, anything disquieting about how much people took on a song like Every Breath You Take, which has a sinister undertone. You know, I, I would never contradict people about their interpretation of, of songs. Everybody has a different thing. Every Breath You Take is used at a lot of weddings. <laughs> and, you know, it's a song about <laughs> surveillance and jealousy and control. And I always say, well, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, I've had this experience. I've had people come up and say, I have a song called I Want You, which shares some of the repetitive. <laughs> yeah. And I've had people come up and say, that's the most romantic song I've ever heard. And I've thought, <laughs> you're in for a powerful amount of pain, you know. <laughs> we are wedding singers, basically. <laughs> we are wedding singers, basically. That's good. So I love that, though. I would never contradict a listener's interpretation of a song. So I think that's, that's cool. That's gracious. Instead of maybe you might imagine some artists going, no, you got it wrong, you idiots. You know, I'm yeah. not necessarily that that does happen, but I assume that might happen. But I like that sort of gracious attitude about it. Like, here's my song. This is why I wrote it. This is what inspired me, but take it as you will. It's so. almost, 
in a way, it's almost like abstract art where it's like, what do you see? What do you get out of this painting or whatever? What right. do you get out of this song? Yeah. Where does it where does it fit into your life? And what are you going through that you can relate to that? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And there is the site, if you can interpret it yourself. I mean, everybody does. They have their, it strikes a chord with them. It strikes an emotion with them. But what is it called? Song Fact? Song Facts, yeah. So that's a good mm-hmm. one for, uh, if you can... If you look at Song Fact, it'll usually tell you what the actual history is and what the real mm-hmm. uh, impetus was behind the song. But I think it's kind of beautiful to just let it be your own interpretation. Like you I, said, I was going to say, unless I really want to know, like in, unless there's some lyrics that I'm like, what is he referring to or what, right. what are they talking to? Then I'll dive in. But a lot of times I just just go with it. I love it. Right on. So we're doing pretty good here, Jarrett. I think time-wise, we actually are able to restrain ourselves enough to make an, a mini-episode. <laughs> Unless you got something more, probably, did you tune that guitar? It's ready, if you're ready. I, I think I am ready. Okay. If I'm, got your, on. tickle your keys over there? Yeah, I don't, I don't actually tune my keyboard. You need to tune if, that? Yeah, if I could. Ding. Ding, ding. There we go. I'm <laughs> ready to go. I'm always in tune. Cool. Well, good. Good. So that's, right. that's the advantage of keyboard, but what's the advantage with guitar is you can take it and put it in your case and just carry it on your back anywhere you go. So Right. Except for right. when you break a string. We, we definitely have that ah, negative point. part of it. That's, good point. I think that's what keeps guitar players up at night is if you have a gig the next day, you're like, holy, did I... When's the last time I changed my strings? Is this it? This is going to be the show. It's going to happen. It's going to break. And what am I going to do? I'm going to bring a second guitar. Well, it's a good thing that I've got 13. You can do that and you can bring strings. Do you know what my problem was? I'll one-up you on that. Oh, what? I used to haul around. It was a Yamaha CP70B and it was called an electric grand piano. Oh. So in my first touring band, not touring, but traveling band, I hauled this thing around. It actually had a harp section like a real piano with actual piano strings. Wow. And each string had a electric pickup on it. So, and the action was like a grand piano. It was a wonderful instrument, but it weighed a ton and a string could break and you'd never have any idea. There's no way you could carry 88 strings. In fact, I think some of them were doubled. I couldn't carry all the strings. So if I broke a string, I'd have to wait until we got back to replace my string. So there you go. Well, okay. Well, I guess that's why they invented the keyboard, right? <laughs> yeah. And then now they sample grand pianos. So thank God. I never regretted having that instrument, but I definitely, it was a sacrifice to get that sound and to haul that thing around. And it was sure. a feel so. thing, right? Like you liked it. It felt good playing it. That's that's why yeah. you carried it around. There's always yeah. a reason why you carry those big honking things around. There's just some feel thing or some little t- tone you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It was the sure. closest thing at the time to sounding like a real piano. I even hauled that baby to California with me. Wow. When I, when I first got there and I was a little lost, I had all this weight in my hatchback. I had I wasn't looking because I was looking for a gas station. All of a sudden, there was a red light. I had to hit the brakes. Everything flew forward in the back of my car and pinned me to the steering wheel. Oh, my gosh. So the only solution was, as I calculated there, what am I going to do? I had to gun it just enough to send the stuff <laughs> flying back and not out my rear window, and it worked. Sheesh. So I was free. So there we go. Nice. All right. Well, I'm ready to play if you are. I am ready to rock and roll. This is the song Good Riddance. By Green Day. By Green Day. Hope you guys enjoy it. This is our mini episode. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time, Outsiders. Tribute to American Idiots. Episode, uh, whatever, 13. That ended up being episode 13. Yeah. All right, Outsiders, thanks for listening.
Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable but in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life So take the photographs and still frames in your mind Hang it on a shelf in good health and good time Tattoos of memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable, but in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life But in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life Something unpredictable But in the end it's right I hope you had the time of your life Yeah.